Hey, Chicago! Woo! Three titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, Dave Melton, a very dejected host coming to you tonight after the Blackhawks lost yet again. But yes, I'm, I'm your host, assistant editor, do some other stuff here at Second City Hockey, and it's it's just a pretty depressing night because just watch the Blackhawks get roughly 8,000 shots on goal and not score once against the Vancouver Canucks. And with me, and probably sharing in my misery, is only one of the usual voices you're going to hear tonight, and that is Shepard Price is here. Hi. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, good, the good news is Vancouver's on top of the Pacific, so there's that. How, how is that a good thing? I mean, we, we lost to a good team. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, all right. I guess they didn't get shut up by the Kings. That would have really sucked, right? Right, Calgary lost to the Kings tonight. That's a more embarrassing loss than to the Canucks on on the night they retired the Sedin's number. I feel, a, I feel better if already. There's a, if there's such a if there's such a thing as a trap game, it was tonight. Oh, I just so yeah. Again, we are coming to you just minutes after the Blackhawks and Canucks game wrapped up. Was it? It ended up being three to nothing, right? Yeah, Sutter had that ridiculous empty netter. He wasn't even trying to score on so. Three to nothing was the final score in this one. And as I mentioned at the top, the Blackhawks had all the chances, all the shots. And for some reason, Jacob Markstrom turned into Ken fucking Dryden in this game. And the Hawks couldn't get any goals. And after so much optimism, so much enthusiasm, so much possibility of feeling like the Blackhawks might might have figured something out and might have worked their way into a playoff position, they've gone 0-3-2. They're sliding down the wild card standings again, and it just it just doesn't nothing feels good. It feels like the exact same thing we went through last season. So, Shepard, the first thing I'll ask you is, just how much does it feel like this season's already over for you? Uh well, it feels a lot worse than it did before the bye week. I'll tell That's you that. Very uh, true. We had all the hope in the world going into the bye week that the Blackhawks maybe. Are, are back that they had the goaltending that they, they could see the offense going then uh either last week or like this week i wrote the stock report and i said uh their play is unsustain- unsustainable and i was right about that and i hate being right well congratulations shepherd yeah hope you're happy i hate being right so i, I want you to elaborate what uh, what specifically about the the way the blackhawks playing was unsustainable their pdo spiked um when they were playing really well the PDO, for those not in the know, is shoot uh, is a shooting percentage plus goals uh, goals save percentage. Um, you usually it usually hovers around one thousand. Blackhawks have been riding that line just like a roller coaster this season, and it was a spike, and it was due for a drop, and that's exactly what we're seeing now. I'd I'd say tonight was a pretty good market correction. We're getting oh. forty nine. <laughs> oh boy, they was it forty nine shots on goal and. A season low, the 49 is the season high for shots on goal, and they only gave up 20, which is a season low. Right, and, on, and only 19 on Crawford, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess the, uh, the empty net does count as a shot on goal. So, so they, Vancouver scored two goals on 19 shots. That's like probably 94% roughly. 
and then the Hawks scored zero goals on 49 shots. So their PDO was about 94 tonight. Yeah. Which, well, less. It was, it was about 880. I'm trying to do math here on the air, and I shouldn't have agreed to do this. Yeah, it's, it's not great. No. No, it's, it's, it's terrible. Whatever. Either no. way, what we're trying to say is that the PDO came down in a big way for the Blackhawks tonight, which is, yeah. and, and there's something I, I, I was thinking about in as the game as I was kind of just thinking back to everything. It does kind of feel like the market correction for all the games they won in the first half of the season when either more often Leonard, sometimes Crawford kind of bailed them out when they were getting overwhelmed by shots and chances again. So, you know, what, what are you going to do? Right. And now you can't bail Crawford out in a, in what was a fine game. I mean, two two goals against on 19 shots is not great, but it's it's two goals against. Yeah, like you, I, you I, should be able to yeah. outscore that. I don't think anybody's putting anything on Crawford. I mean, the one power play goal they let, they had a player wide open about 10 feet from the net in the slot on the penalty kill, which is like the Blackhawks penalty kill had been so good this year, so it was kind of a just jarring to see a guy that open that close to the net, and then the second goal I can't even remember how it happened now. Because all I remember are Blackhawk shots on goal. Yeah. But yeah, I think – and the other one was the Gaudette goal. Right, right, right. He, okay. was right where he was right in the crease, too. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't – none of us – no one's pinning anything on Corey Crawford tonight. And it's just – like, we were talking about this before we came on the air here. And, like, I don't think either one of us is going to sit here and tell you, you know, trade everyone, fire everyone right now just because the whole season's lost. Because – that Blackhawks could very well win the next five games and they'll be right back in the playoff chase. It's just, it's the way everything feels right now. It just feels like this team is not going to, to make the playoffs. They're not going to win enough games. Something's going to go wrong, whether it's like tonight, not enough offense next game. Maybe they'll lose six to five. It just seems like they always find a way to lose, which is what bad teams do. And maybe they're just not a good team this season. Once again, right. And I think I, I think the I think the proof in the pudding is losing to a Connor McDavid-less Edmonton Oilers last night. Yeah, uh, and that and that was, you know, the game against the Jets on Sunday was one thing, but that as soon as you saw Connor McDavid wasn't in the lineup like that, it I wouldn't call it a must-win game because must-win games I don't think that's it's too early for that. But as close as you can get to a must-win game when the a team that's probably mediocre, maybe slightly above that and they have the best player in the world, and he goes down, they have one other guy. That's right. it. They have that, that, that shouldn't be that difficult to stop. I know Drysaddle's having an incredible season. He's an incredible hockey player. Don't get me wrong, but you should be able to beat a one-player team, and the Hawks couldn't do that. And then yeah. against Vancouver tonight, they lose to one guy again, essentially, in losing to Jacob Markstrom. So I, I, where, where do we go from here, Shepard? I, I don't know. I don't even know what to think about this team right now. I, I, so I think the need that we've said all, all season long on this podcast and on other podcasts and have been set, has been said on other podcasts is that the Blackhawks need another top four defenseman whose name is not Eric Gustafson, that that hole has existed the entire season, that when they got the cap space they did, when uh, Calvin DeHaan and Brent Seabrook both went down long-term injury reserve, they needed to find somebody – anybody to fill that that vacancy and they couldn't do it and they still haven't done it and if I, if they're gonna do anything they need to fill that that hole they need somebody to play with Connor Murphy who is not 
Eric Gustafson because you saw him again do embarrassing stuff tonight. He collided with his own guy, which led to a shot against on the on the what penalty kill again? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I don't think I don't think it was the penalty kill. I think it was an even strength situation, but I could be wrong. I think I think black it's already kind of fuzzy. Yeah, it's just it's anybody. Find me anybody who can play in the top four. And, and I think we mentioned this again on another podcast, but the unfortunate thing is there's probably, oh, 15 to 20 NHL teams looking for another top four defenseman. They're not exactly easy to find. They're a hot commodity when they are available. And if you're going to acquire one via trade, you're going to have to give up an awful lot to do so. Right. And, and, I, and you know, if, if you're trying to pick one up at the trade deadline, like if the Hawks get into that situation, how many teams are going to be giving away a top four defenseman? I can think of two right now. Go uh, ahead. Well, well, I, I, what, what I meant to say was that most of the top four defensemen are going to be with teams that are going to stick it, with. It's going to be derbies for those defensemen. Uh, Alec Martinez from Los Angeles and Sammy Vatman yeah. from New Jersey are both are the, are the two that immediately come to my mind. Mm-hmm. And they, they will both be in – they should be in bidding wars. Uh, there should be bidding wars for both of those players. Yeah. So that, that, the, I mean, the issue is I don't know if the Blackhawks will be in a buying situation at the trade deadline anymore. So right. I, I took we'll talk about the trade saying. deadline next week it, it, uh, as soon as we see more proof that the, the Blackhawks season is over. Yeah. We don't want to do the trade deadline episode just yet because like you just said, have... I mean, if they, if they, you know, if they go win the last two games on this road trip, it won't make up for the three losses already, but it'll, it'll alleviate some of the doom and gloom that we're both feeling tonight. And then, but if they lose the next two, then we can, you know, we'll start the fire sale show next week. We'll be out here like it's price is right. Uh, giving away every player that's on the Blackhawks roster at this point. I'm just I'm just in auction mode. Who wants Drake Kajula? You want Drake Kajula? Who wants Drake Kajula? <laughs> it's getting so monotonous because it's the same damn thing. For the it's the second season in a row where you thought maybe if things were if thing if they got kind of lucky they'd sneak they'd squeak into a wild card spot, which you know not ideal. You kind of wish the the ceiling was a little bit higher for a team, but you know we're coming off three cups. There was going to be a downturn a little bit, so. You know, I, I can accept it. But for, to be back in the same spot for the second season in a row, but then again fall short of that very low bar to clear, like, what's the, you know, when's something, something going to happen? When are they going to do something different? I've been, it's, that's the thing we're all waiting for, and maybe we'll get an answer in the next few weeks. But I don't, I don't know if you even have an answer to this question, Shepard, uh, an answer to this question, Shepard, but – when, when's something going to change with this team? I think the Blackhawks front office is tired of losing. And by front office, I no longer mean Stan Bowman. I mean, John McDonough and Rocky Wirtz, I think okay. are tired of losing. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs this season, I very, it's very easy for me to see Stan Bowman going uh, along with Jeremy Colleton, who is his guy uh, right. in favor of, again, somebody proven there, there are proven GMs out there. I know. Brandon, if he was here, would be a vocal advocate for trying a new guy out. But I want to see somebody with, with a track record of rebuilding a team like Ron Hextall uh, get in this organization and take over and do the right things uh, because he did the right things for Philadelphia and they're one of the best possession teams in the league now and they're one of the best. They have a t- 
ton of great players. It, it seems like the most frustrating thing with this team is that you go up and down the roster, at least from a Ford perspective, and like this team shouldn't be this bad, especially no. like, especially when you consider the rosters and the two goaltenders they have. Like this should be a playoff team, right? It's it's, and, it's and, wildly and, underperforming. And this this and a and a playoff team who with the goaltending they have could do something if if one mm-hmm. of the, or if one or both of those goaltenders got hot in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, there's you know they play the Canucks tonight, who you pointed out are winning the Pacific Division right now. I don't think anybody would be terrified of them in a seven game series if the Blackhawks got into that first wild card spot, went to the Pacific Division for the first two rounds of the playoffs. It wouldn't be a total shock if this roster was able to walk out of there and end up in the conference final. But right. the way, you know, the way that roster is playing, I have zero confidence they're even going to get the chance to do that. Right. If you look at this roster and you look at their results, they're one of the worst possession teams in the league. They have one of the worst power plays in the league. And their one good aspect of the game is their penalty kill. Makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. It's interesting to see. I'm, I'm, some of the quotes from the players are trickling in via Twitter. Um, so far I've seen, I think Ben Pope and Mark Lazarus are the two guys there. Pope's with the Sun-Times and Mark Lazarus with the Athletic. And there's, it's surprising that it sounds like the players are not, I mean, this is the way they've been for pretty much the entire duration of everything that's been happening in the last 10 to 15 years. But they all sound upbeat. Like they're taking positives from the fact that they, were able to get 49 shots on goal, even if they didn't get a goal, which, you know, I mean, I guess only that's so much, okay. Like, Yeah, like, only so much you can do when a goaltender just stands on his head like Markstrom did. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is – the way the Blackhawks play tonight is good enough to win games, and if they'd replicate this performance more often, they probably wouldn't be chasing a wild card spot like they are right now. The issue is just – they're they're running out of time, man. Like you got you got to start winning games, no matter what, no matter how, what your opponent is, no matter what the other team is doing. The Hawks got to win some damn games. Like you right. can't. Moral victories aren't going to get this team into the playoffs anymore. There's what twenty five games left now. Yeah, yeah, twenty uh, just over a third of the season to go, and they've got. I think four teams to jump. They've got at least six points to make up. I haven't checked the standings again, so I don't know how far out of it they are. It was six points, I think, at the start of the day. And with, yeah. very, with very few games, they're probably still sitting at six points. So it's not, it's not impossible, but they just keep making this mountain higher, and eventually, like, you're just not going to get there. Eventually, right. they, and, then it, and, and, and then it's time to start considering the fact that this is one of the best drafts of all to, uh, uh, since at least 2003 – Maybe it's time to start selling off pieces so you can go get something better because there's Jamie Drysdale, who might not be a lottery pick. There's Lucas Raymond, who might not be a lottery pick. There's guys who you don't have to be a lottery pick to get this year. And and this is where – this is the dilemma I come to because you you talk about draft picks, and I'm not against that, but it's the fine line between, like, they have to win in the next two or three years, don't they? The way, the way that they're approaching this all, the way they're hanging on to Taves, Kane, and Keith, and I think more Keith than the, the first two guys, but it doesn't seem like they're concerned about the long-term picture yet. Like, they're not going to trade everybody in their system to get a Ford that's going to, you know, play tomorrow, but they're also not really mortgaging off the present in sake of the future. So, 
like you talk about draft picks, but anybody that gives probably going to be two or three years away. Cause I don't think they're going to end up in a lottery spot and get another Kirby doc. So, right. So what do you do? Like I, 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 that's, that's why this trade deadline is going to be so fascinating to watch because it's not only going to be what players they sell off. It's what they get in return. It's, you know, do they, do they go for draft picks like you were talking about Shepard or do they go for guys that are already prospects that have already been drafted and are closer to breaking into the NHL that maybe could help them out in the next year or two. I think then we'll find out exactly, maybe get a better idea of what this, the front office thinks about what their short and long-term futures are, because I still don't think we have any idea what they think about the short and long-term futures because what they've been doing is so inconsistent. Right. They think they're a team built for the present and they're not, they're quite simply not. Yeah. I, like we we talked about like they can, like this roster looks like a team that could have got into a wild card spot, but with, I, I, try not to harp on it too much because you know I don't I don't want to be too doom and gloomy and, but with the head coach they have it doesn't seem and, and you know let me backtrack a second here because this is another thing I want to ask you about we we talked about this a little bit last season and it's happening again this season every time the Blackhawks get into a big game a quote-unquote big game or just something with a lot of playoff ramifications on the line tonight wasn't quite as big because Vancouver is leading the Pacific, but the last two games against wildcard chasing teams like Winnipeg and who the hell did they play last night? I can't even remember. Edmonton. Edmonton. Thank you. And then the, um, and they got another game against Winnipeg coming up. Every time this happened last season, they laid an egg. They didn't win the game. And this season they're starting to do it again. So if, if they can't win these games of slightly higher importance, how the hell are they going to win a playoff series? With with this coaching staff intact, with this coaching staff, the goaltender yeah. again. It's a, it's just Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford or both of them, uh, just going off and just shut out, shut out, shut out, shut out, shut out, shut out, shut out. And that is not a strategy I would put a lot of faith in. No, you don't bank on that strategy. No. You 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 count yourself fortunate if if Robin Leonard repeats his performance last last season with the Islanders. Yeah, that was a that was a very fortunate situation. And that was a Barry Trotz coach team where they play a wildly defensively focused structure. So I, I wouldn't expect that to happen again in Chicago, not with right. the way this team is constructed and the way this team plays. So Right. The not other with, thing – Not with two guys in the top four who can't play defense in both of them. Yeah, and I mean, I, we don't want to – I don't want to be too – pessimistic on this one because there are there's some little things going on with the Hawks this season that have been very encouraging uh Adam Boquist looks the part I think Kirby Doc's had flashes I feel like he is so close to some like ridiculous highlight reel goal like Taves had in his rookie season that's going to make everyone a believer um Dominic Kubelik has been a revelation and uh, Corey Crawford still looks like he's got some some side left on the tires go ahead yeah so he's got he's got something left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you can uh, Brandon Saad's still uh, a possession monster. Patrick Kane's still one of the best offensive weapons in the league. So it's not the cupboard's not completely bare here. It just right. it's so it's just not clicking for whatever reason. And at some point it feels like if it doesn't all click, the guy that usually goes is the head coach, because that's how professional sports works. But the one thing I did, uh, the other thing I want to mention tonight, Shepard, and it's probably going to be the end of this episode because uh, 
I don't know how much more I can talk about this without getting too too upset to fall asleep. Um, I, I've been concerned that at some point, guys like the main guy here is Patrick Kane. That if they yeah. have another season where they don't make the playoffs and they don't do anything to add for either the short or long term futures that suggest this somehow things are going to get better and maybe that's related to a coaching move as well. Do you ever get concerned that Patrick Kane decides he doesn't want to play in Chicago anymore? And you could also add Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith into that question, but I don't think they're as much of a concern because of what they, I think because if Patrick Kane decides that this team's in massive trouble very quickly. The question is where would he play? Where 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 would he want to go? Would he waive his NMC because he has a full no move clause? Well, well, the idea and, is that he, if he decides he doesn't want to play in Chicago anymore, he right, he would trade. He's gonna waive that no movement clause, no matter where it's to, probably. Yeah. yeah. But the the other thing is, what's the return? If the return is okay. it's if the return starts with two dra- first round draft picks and uh, a like an elite prospect and probably a defenseman. Yeah, so balance well, balance out the cap. Not, I, I I don't. You're not going to get a return that's equitable for Patrick Kane. I just I just don't believe that's going to happen because every fun. time there's some blockbuster trade in the NHL, it's a bunch of prospects and picks that don't turn out to be as good as the player that was sent away. So right, but that but, oh, but Taylor Hall, but Taylor Hall's on, Hall, Taylor Hall's on a one year. So Patrick Kane's like yeah. he's sort of this sort of. Yeah, unprecedented move. At it's, that yeah, point. it's it's just it, it's more of it's 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 very much a hypothetical question, and I I don't have any inner working knowledge of anything. This is me entirely just spitballing things. But you know, Patrick Kane's on the wrong side of thirty, as are Tate yep. and Keith, and maybe they decide they don't want to spend the rest of their careers going home at the first week of April every season. And right. like, and like, it, would it you just, blame them? Exactly. After, after after the success they've seen here, that yeah. they they've given the city basically three cups. If <laughs> yeah. they want to go somewhere else, yeah, they don't like you know. I I I know they're paid handsomely, but at some point, you get. I imagine you get bored. You you want right. you want you want the com, their competitors. They want to be able to play at the highest level, and the regular season is great and all, but the playoffs are a whole nother level on top of that. And maybe at some point they look around and say. This ship's going down. Get me the hell off of it. I think the good news is that there's players like Joe Thornton in the league who uh, has never asked to leave, has never wanted to leave uh, his city, and he's never won a cup. He's never won one single cup. He's never wanted to leave, uh, and he's adored in this city. I think that might be good news. I don't think Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves or Duncan Keith's personalities are what Joe Thornton's is. It, it's a, it's good news that there's players players like him who want to stay in their city because they're adored there. Yeah, it'd be a very anti hockey culture thing if they spoke up. I mean, they they wouldn't say it publicly to the media. They'd call up their agent and have it leak it to somebody in the press that they were looking for a way out of town. But it's just it's a concern that's been sitting in the back of my head that like every time the Blackhawks get near a playoff spot and then don't make it, like how much more of that shit do these guys want to take essentially well this has been so uplifting and so encouraging is, I, 
this has been this has been the Undertaker podcast. <laughs> but not not the part where he comes up out of the casket, the part where he's still laying down in the casket. Maybe yeah. next week it will be the part where he wakes up, but I don't know. It's just it's, there's this is as discouraged as I have been by the Blackhawks in a couple of years. Like because I think the issue with this season is I, I think I legitimately got convinced that they were going to – not that they were going to make the playoffs, but at least they were going to make it interesting. It's amazing how quickly they went from competing for a playoff spot and really close to one to just uh, five losses in a row. And now yeah. now we're worried about how far down the floor is going to fall out of this thing. So, so I think that'll do it. Shepard, any final thoughts? Any other uh, things you want to depress the fans with? Uh, I, again, uh, as I said on Monday's podcast, if you, if you want to go listen to that, if the pot, if the power play continues to stay bad, they went over five tonight. If the power play is going to stay bad, then there's not much we can do. Yeah. And I didn't, I thought the power play actually looked decent at times this evening. Like there was movement, there were chances, there were shots. I think Kane might've hit the post on one. So Right, but nothing, conti- nothing continues to go in. Yeah, that's true. And I guess I, I hate that I'm I go, using my own – I'm being hypocritical by saying moral victories for the power play, but the power play yeah. is not necessarily scored, but, you know, whatever. I, I, I thought the power play looked better tonight. Um, the idea of Kane feeding Kubelik one-timers seems like a good idea with right. the Brinkett in such a massive slump. But. Right. Uh, and, and also, going back to a point uh, I made on Twitter uh, a few games ago, scratch the Brinkat. What are we doing? Uh, you scratched Dylan Strom, who has, sure, has had, had some rust after coming back from injury, but that's the wrong guy to have scratched. Dylan, uh, Alex Brinkat needed to get scratched. Yeah, if they, if they want to give him a night from the press box just to kind of let him watch from upstairs and maybe it'll trigger something in his mind, I wouldn't be totally against that at this point because he is – it's firmly between his ears. Like he didn't lose. He didn't get like the monsters from space jam. Didn't show up and steal all his talent. He still has right. the ability to score 30, 40 goals. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did it again next season. He's just, he's entirely in his own head. So um, if they decide to send him for a night, maybe to trigger something, I was baffled by why Dylan Strom got benched. What did you, yeah. I, I don't, I, inter- I know Colleton said they were looking for more. I don't know what that more is that they were looking for. When uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It's the, again, the guy you need to be looking for more for from is a guy who might not even score 20 goals and his job is to score goals. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if to bring it, God sat down for a night and the fact that you, you scratch Dylan Stroman, you put in Alex Nylander, it's like, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, well, we can talk about Alex Nylander later. I, He's he's that's another thing that's just gonna bum me out. So, all right. So yeah, let's uh, let's put a bow on this, shall we? Yep. Yeah, let's do that. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We uh, hopefully next week will be a little bit more uplifting. Maybe we'll talk to you after the Hawks have won a couple games over the weekend, and things won't be so bleak. Um, if not, we'll um, I don't know. We'll we'll tell some jokes or something. Who who knows? We'll 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 do a deep dive on legends and just talk about Marion Hosa for an hour. <laughs> don't don't tempt me but we could just talk about how how much uh dave bolin owned the sedines for 10 years 
I could, I, we could have done that show tonight, actually. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate everyone that uh, listens to the show. Uh, we'll hopefully get all the trio back next week and uh, do a more in-depth show. And hopefully we'll have some Blackhawks wins to talk about, because if not, it's going to be a lot of uh, wheeling and dealing being discussed on these airwaves. So final thank you for listening. Uh, follow us on all the social medias, uh, secondcityhockey.com. We got plenty of stories. We'll have a, a bunch of stuff coming up at the website. Um, follow us, like us, subscribe, all, all those social media things. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That'd be great. And we will talk to you next time. Go Hawks. da 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 da